revelations, actually. Chill Goblin. That's right. I'm calling you out, which, if you're new around here, that means that we're going to meet at the K&K to fight. Um, Mr. Goblin is quite chill, so much so that his little mascot guy has, like, really red eyes, which I understand to mean he is exceptionally chill. I think that's what that signifies. But I don't know if he's much of a fighter, being so chill and all. It doesn't matter. Chill Goblin's who I'm calling out today. Say, have you ever been in a situation in which someone happens to have red eyes, and for whatever reason they don't want anybody to know, and someone asks them why their eyes are red? Just hypothetically, I would say, I'll, I'll give you a chance to go ahead and guess it out loud. Five, four, three, two, one, allergies. Of course. Sleep deprivation is also a plausible eye reddening situation. A couple things you could say, feeling a little sick, whatever. Anywho, uh, have you ever heard someone give a terrible answer to that question? I'll tell you, when I was in high school, a couple dudes who shall remain nameless left the school for some reason, like they drove somewhere to do something school-related, and when they returned to school, their eyes were super red for some reason. And they walked in the room, the teacher asked them why their eyes were red, uh, and one of the guys goes, Ms. B... Her real name. If you had eaten the food that we ate... Which was a horrible answer to that question. Anyway, I am calling out the Duke of Leftist Comedy YouTube. That's Leash Nilbog, the Grand Goblin of Chill. Ladies and gentlemen, Chill Goblin is on this as a recently new friend of the show, R.M. Brown might say, piece of crap, also known as my stanky podcast, Bridge. Is there such thing as insanity among penguins? Is there such thing as insanity among penguins? I would like to see the baby. And nobody puts that book. And nobody puts that book. And, and nobody puts that book. But you've got a man and a woman together. I tell you, Blue is such an important movie. That is not a human right there. So, there's another episode of the call out of the guest I'm having on the episode you're hearing. That's chill underscore goblin on Twitter. Even though Mr. Goblin is seriously internet famous, he doesn't need a call out. He's got. Let's see here, 25.3 subscribers on YouTube. And I don't know, how do you get half a subscriber? And, oh, that's a K? 23.5 thousand. That makes a lot more sense. Better straighten up and make this a tight, professional, brief intro here. Um, so that was a goof. I, I know, I know K means thousand. Chill Goblin, kind of like RM Brown, has a huge YouTube channel and not a very big following on Twitter. Uh, so go give them a follow, both of them, RM Brown and uh, Chill underscore Goblin. Uh, I don't remember what RM Brown's username is, but it's something kind of weird. It's like XR, it doesn't matter. Uh, follow Chill Goblin today, because that's my guest. I'm gonna make this intro a short one for a couple reasons. I still have an evergreenish mini-sode plotted out, and I know I said that was gonna be the next one last time, but, and I hate to even have to think about this, but awesome guests like Mr. Goblin helped grow the show, and the numbers have been going up on the slower side since I got a job and started releasing like every month or two. 
And so I find that I have to release a mini-sode within a week or two of a proper full guest episode for it to like perform well. You don't care about any of this crap. Uh, let's let's get to a little Haas news. Then we'll jump right into the interview. It's Haas news. It's news from Haas about Haas. You can listen to it's Haas Haas news. Haas ooh, Haas ooze nightem number one. I got a new dog. He's adorable. He's a little schnauzer or something kind of mutt. He's named Mo. He's adorable and sweet and a good companion for Fancy. He's been snuggling with her. Good size for a little apartment. Uh, There's an audio podcast. So I'll stop talking about this now and say go to Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Follow Haas underscore Bossman if you want to see some pics and vids and whatnot. Okay. Haas News Part 2. I built a Telecaster style guitar from a little kit in which you, you know, build your own crap. A kit which my dad sent me for my birthday. It's all like painted and strung up and sounds effing bootyful. Uh, so be on the lookout and hear out for the upcoming very first Haas original guitar build. The Fancy LaRue Testacaster is what I'm calling it. Uh, and you'll actually hear it on I Used It. First real thing I recorded with it uh, to honor Chill Goblin was uh, his theme song, which you'll hear in just a minute here. Um, and uh, three news. Okay, uh, Haas News item number three. I'm starting a podcast network. Uh, so far, it's just a music sting that sounds like this. This is technically content. But hit me up if you want to join. I think it's basically just going to be a way for smaller creators to promote each other's shows on a regular basis for now. It'll probably be an enormous empire soon. Uh, and uh, finally, number four here, uh, I'm working on a new video that's almost done about Pete Seeger and Malvina Reynolds' amazing haunting song from way up here. It looks better than any video I've made. I think it's a pretty interesting topic. I've got to cover the song and uh, use it in the vid and over like 20 minutes or so this video lasts. So I got to go over a lot of stuff about space and folk and protest music. And I think it's just going to be the one to make me internet famous. Okay, Haas News done. Alrighty, I'm gonna play a clip from old Walton Gobbins, just a, a little short riff he did about how white he is, which is kind of intentionally corny, cliche, stand up in, in places, but one of the jokes in particular is very good in the way that an old time joke sometimes can be. Uh, I guess an old timey joke sometimes can be. Now, before I start, I just want to check my privilege real quick. I'm an obnoxiously white person living in a settler colonial country. I'm so white that I went on vacation and everyone called me a gringo. And I was in Norway. Come on now. I'm so white, my ex girlfriend is currently dating a glass of milk. You know, I guess she found someone new to give her strong bones. Come on, oh, we like to have fun around here. I've got the melanin of a marshmallow, okay? I'm so white, when I walk around town late at night, I hear car doors unlock. I'm a very white guy, textbook settler leftist. I can't get no, getting no respect, I tell ya. I'm so white that I'm going to attempt to discuss colonialism and I'm sure to have some pretty massive blind spots here, so take everything I say with a grain of salt. Please feel free to correct me where I'm wrong, or let me know what I missed in the comments. That was from Chill Goblin's fantastic video, Fascism and its Secret Best Pal, Colonialism. You know, 
when I interviewed uh, Sam from the great YouTube channel, Where in Hell, who you'll hear in this interview used to be the old uh, gobstopper's roommate. But uh, when I interviewed him, he mentioned that, uh, or I mentioned that I love the intentionally bad stand-up comedy in one of his videos, which uh, is called, I'll have to insert that with a robot voice because I can't remember what that video that has the good fake stand-up in it. Uh, and apparently, yeah, uh, Mr. Goblin helped write those, like wrote a lot of those like fake stand-up jokes, and they're great. The video in question is on the We're in Hell YouTube channel and is called The Conservative Comedy of Steven Crowder featuring the surfs. If you're not familiar with Mr. Goblin, I highly suggest you check out his amazing YouTube channel. Really in-depth, truly funny and informative and entertaining stuff. Um, I forgot to ask him during the interview, but he does this awesome thing where like little drawings draw themselves around him and in the background when he's doing like talking head type stuff in front of a green screen you've definitely seen something similar done if you watch any YouTube videos a lot of like explainer type videos on YouTube are in this format in which like representations of what a disembodied narrator is saying appear on the screen as if they're being hand-drawn sometimes with a hand included in the effect i'm not sure if he actually does those illustrations or if somebody else doesn't but they're awesome and it really makes the experience watching his videos even awesomer in any case old chili gobs uh, he uses this effect better than anyone i've ever seen use it by far it's like very tastefully done the art style seems pretty original feels very like organic and relevant or appropriate I don't know it, it works and he does a lot of other cool crap in his videos too so go give him a subscribe and a like and a share and all that stuff really great uh, youtuber um, quick note on his theme song it took a really long time but because chill goblin has so much content to choose clips from and because I have a stupid job Hello, Haas from the future here. This is probably coming out of nowhere because I'm recording it and inserting it in the future. But I just wanted to say that I think I'm going to switch up the way I do the guest theme songs. If you don't know, I make a theme song for every guest, which is a gimmick. And it's the main reason that episodes take so goddamn long these days. Well, that and the fact that I have to do job crap. I spent so long on Chill Goblin's theme song, and I had a great time doing it, but it just took forever. And I think I got it to a point, finally, that uh, I'm happy with now, and you'll hear it right before his interview. It'll be the last thing that you hear. But I do complete from scratch compositions for the music, then I comb some of the guests' content for clips of them saying stuff I can possibly edit to sound weird, then the process of pulling the clips and editing them and arranging them is just really time-consuming. Plus, it's just not really my thing. I should leave the fun voice-chopping remix mashup leftist content to DJ Danerkey, the guy who did the theme song for the Knowledge Fight podcast, a bunch of stuff for Michael Brooks back in the day, Majority Report. He rules, and uh, you should check out DJ Danerkey stuff. But I think I'm going to try leaning into my specialities and write lyrics and sing and all that crap for my theme songs, which I think is what maybe people might have expected. And that was kind of what I was thinking I was going to do. But uh, now I'm going to actually try doing that. Um, using clips, that whole thing kind of happened accidentally. I don't know. It's I don't remember how it happened exactly, but uh, probably not in a super interesting way. So anyway, I'm going to start doing that writing them and singing them and stuff. And I hope you love that. Let me know what you think of the idea. Do you, do you love the clips too much? You want me to do, uh, or you think switching it up sounds like fun?
And I don't know if I've explained in a long time or maybe ever how the music on this show, how what, what I do with it. It's just the the songs that the new songs that you hear every episode. Like I've got ones that I use for segments and stuff, but also every episode I make a like theme song using samples from, you know, the Apple Loops library mostly. So that's what that song you already heard was with the soundboard and stuff. And that is just pretty much pure fun. It doesn't really take that long to make them. I usually just kind of throw them together while I'm editing and the theme songs are also a lot of fun. They just take way, way longer to do. But the theme song is a completely original composition uh, that uh, you will hear. I I always play it right before, like leading into the guest interview and leading out of it. It's a theme song, you know, that's how I use it. Anyway, uh, I love you, and um, I uh, now back to whatever dumbass sideways ramble I was just on. God bless y'all for listening to this crap. And also, I, you know, finished putting my homemade Telecaster together, so I wanted to record something with it, and I gotta say, the guitars on this track are pretty nice sounding. So, yeah, Mr. Goblin has the honor of having his theme song be the first thing I ever tracked using the Testcaster. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Twit, which is short for Twitch, and Patreon at Haas underscore Bossman. Please rate and review and share this podcast. It really does help the show out a lot. And what did I ever do to you to not deserve you doing that stuff? Subscribe to the Haas Bossman YouTube channel and find all those links and much more, including original serious-ish and silly music, uh, such as the sounds of Breadsheet. In the description of this episode is simply going to www.haas.fun. More importantly, follow Chill underscore Goblin on Twitter and subscribe to his amazing YouTube channel. Truly one of the funniest and most informative channels out there. Here is his theme song, followed by his interview. Please enjoy, and I'll be back at the end to send you off and kiss your butt. Gather round. I want to tell you a story. Find the Mass is a false idol. The Platinum Mass had to make blood sacrifices to the Wombat King. But I've got my own you should use to deposit your poop. Yeah, you could say I know a thing or two about being a man. All glory and respect to the human poop. It was useful to deposit your poop in a web so dark and so intellectual that spread a lot of those shit particles. I want to tell you a story. A Brett Weinstein adventure. A story of how pulling money with your roommates to buy a samurai sword set from a convenience store is inherently valuable. Brett Weinstein has been described by himself and others as the source of some disturbing fetishes. Disturbing, disturbing fetishes. It's a guy's thing. Michael Malice is a platinum you should use to deposit your poop. Brett Weinstein is small and uncomfortable, but you should use Ben Shapiro to deposit your poop. You should use Andy No to deposit your poop. You should use members of Project Veritas to deposit your poop. I guess they don't mind being turned into eucalyptus to deposit your poop. So um, I think I mentioned I teach high school and I asked my students today if they had any ideas for uh, questions to ask a professional YouTuber. Okay. (laughs) Because as you can imagine, uh, that it's like literally every single teenager, if you ask them what they want to do for a living, it's some professional, some social media type of thing. Right. Yeah. Um, So uh, uh, I... I thought they'd have some good questions, but they did not. Their questions were horrible. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, it was, what did they ask? What did they want to ask? It was stuff like, it, I think they just didn't, you know, couldn't think of it, something in the moment or whatever, because it was just stuff like, is it like hard 
is how do you do it? Very, very vague. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So maybe maybe we can uh, uh, get an answer some of those questions with more specific stuff. Sure, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. It um, is hard. I will, I will. I can answer that one. It is hard. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I so I guess first of all. Uh, your your background like you're from where do you you live in canada somewhere where exactly that's right yeah i live in uh toronto uh canada the uh the capital of ontario um the the the, i don't know the new york of canada is like the big city uh kind of thing but um yeah as for my background um you so i guess like most people are probably, well, I don't know most people, but a lot of people are probably like, oh, I took a, I have a PhD in uh, political science or whatever on, uh, on left tube, it seems. But, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not like that, uh, that smart. I have, uh, I went to film school and then I spent, uh, several years as a stand up comedian, uh, amateur open micer kind of guy. And um, during the coronavirus lockdowns, I was kind of very uh, like needed a, a place, a, a creative outlet for um, my stuff because I couldn't do stand up anymore, um, which was like, you know, I was kind of getting performance uh, withdrawal. I don't know if that's a thing, but I really wanted to, to, to have a creative outlet and I have all, all, always been kind of, I don't know, interested in politics and I... Uh, I remember when um, a, I guess like a hero of mine, Michael Brooks, passed away. That was when I really kind of was like, I really want to start doing something that kind of like motivated me to put some stuff together and uh, make a YouTube video. I also spent like the last few years working with uh, We're in Hell. You said you had uh, We're in Hell on... You had Sam on before? Uh, yes, I did. He said that yeah. uh, y'all were roommates at the time anyway. That was like, That's you know, right. Yeah, just... Actually, t- we are still roommates for today only. Uh, he's actually moving. He's got his own uh, one-bedroom bachelor pad he's moving into tomorrow. So that's exciting for him. Uh, nice. Anyway, but yeah, um, good good friend of mine from way back in the day. Uh, also stand-up, Toronto stand-up. And um, we, I, he, I had been helping him work with his scripts for his channel before I had done mine. Like we would meet up, meet up, talk about his ideas, and mostly I would just be like punching it up and thinking of jokes and stuff like that. And I started to see him get a lot of success, and I was like, I could do that. This is easy. <laughs> and I tried, so I, you know, started it out, and uh, turns out it was, it was not as easy as I thought. But um, you know, it's been it's been good though. It's been a good uh, good good run that I've been having. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm grateful for that. I don't uh, know. Is that does that answer your question? Is that sure about the, the right thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Like how you got into YouTube, kind of like I mean that I I've heard that a similar thing um, about uh, the pandemic from a lot of people. I think like that's when I started doing this podcast. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. So I I mean it was really like um, you know we started working from home with my uh, I was working as a copywriter at the time and I was just like I'm gonna just commit some time theft and just make this podcast when I'm supposed to be working. Hell yeah. And very much in the spirit of, you know, the leftist uh, politics there. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I noticed like in, um, one of your video or like, I think it was maybe an ad spot you were doing like the background, uh, wherever you were sitting, like looked like the, the most beautiful city. And I, I recognize the, I don't know what it's called. Like the, it's kind of, kind of reminds me of, like the space needle or something yeah, the in the CN background. Tower. The CN okay. Tower. Yeah. Yeah. That's Toronto's, uh, tallest freestanding structure. 
I believe oh, okay. it used to be the, the tallest freestanding structure in the world until Dubai mm. beat it recently. Oh yeah. That, um, yeah, I, you know, I used to, uh, live in, I lived in China for a while teaching English, like a lot of oh, people yeah. do. And, um, I, uh, it, the, I taught the, in Korea for a while. Oh, okay, cool. I think I've yeah. heard you mention that before. Um, that, uh, it, the neighborhood that I lived in, in China, um, it kind of like reminded me of that. I was like, man, that looks like a really, like a city that has a lot of, from what it, it looked like a lot of apartment buildings, a lot of like residential stuff. Yeah, is yeah, that a lot, of, a lot of condos? Is that uh, like the case? And is Toronto? Um, I don't know. As a as a city, how would you? I'm you know, is it? Uh, is it? Does it have a good like sense of community? I don't really have a good hmm. idea of what like cities in Canada are like in general. I've never been to Canada. Okay, uh, I mean, it's not like a kind of like. Uh, Asian style city like I don't know I, I've, I haven't been to China but I, I spent some time in like Seoul and Tokyo and I don't know Bangkok and stuff like that it's um, it's I don't know it has its pros and cons I would say the coolest thing about Toronto is that I believe it's still the most multicultural uh, city on earth so it, mm. we have like a bunch of people from all over the place and that means the food here is like incredible there's so many different cuisines in toronto that you can really enjoy if you ever come to toronto you should just try as many different types of food that you've never you know had uh access to before as you can because there's so many so much good stuff um it's i mean the bad sides of toronto i guess like a lot of cities in the u.s we have horrible rent prices mm. like just absolutely predatory you know landlords we've got condos just being built everywhere uh, a lot of them sitting empty so that the uh, owners can i don't know wait for a opportune time in the market i don't really get how it works but mm. that's something the, that's uh, going on in china too right like this right. huge empty buildings Mm-hmm. We definitely have a lot of that. The uh, I think yeah, I, I know the the uh, video you're talking about where I have like the Toronto in the background, and um, it is that district. I was over at my girlfriend's place shooting that, and uh, she's got like a condo that she's renting from the owner of the condo. But uh, it's like right in the middle of like a condo kind of district, so there's a ton of those types of buildings. Mm. Um, the whole city isn't like that. There's there's a uh, nice you know parts. There's nice kind of little. Uh, uh, not built up areas. There's cool um, places that have yet to be gentrified. There's places that are in the midst of being gentrified that are still pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Lots of cool shops, cool restaurants, bars, <clears throat> clubs. I don't know. It's it's a cool city. It's it's fun, and it also sucks. Uh, you know what can you say? <laughs> is that, well, sure. I mean, is is that? Um... I'll, I'll tell you, I definitely, after living in Shanghai and Taipei and Atlanta, I, you know, the, 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 the itch to like get out and live in this, I grew up in a really small town. So like, you know, really wanting to get out there and get Me to too. the big city. I definitely got like uh burnout on that. And now I'm just like fine to not live in the city anymore. Oh um, yeah. You're not living in the city now? Mm, no, I'm, I'm living in like South Georgia. And I mean, I guess it is a city in a way because we were, just, we were looking at the crime statistics and they're. I think it's the it's by far the murder capital of Georgia, and oh, wow. uh, it's like number ten in the U.S. I think for the the murder rate like per capita. <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy, and uh, that's my my girlfriend is a uh, defense attorney here, and I teach high school here, so we get you know pretty good a uh, lot of insight into uh, the what's going on in that 
area. But anyway, oh, the hot murder gossip. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, but um, did uh, so you said you grew up in a small town. That was actually the next thing I was going to ask you. Like, what kind of area did you grow up in, and how would you say it was it a kind of conservative area? Did it like influence your politics at all? Oh, definitely. Yeah, good question. I. Um, yeah, I grew up in a, a small town, Orangeville, Ontario. I mean, it's like, I don't know, maybe some people, some small town purists might call me a poser because mm. it's got 30,000 people in it. Um, but actually, I mean, I'm not even from Orangeville. I'm from an even smaller town that's just like, Orangeville's the closest thing to it. So I was just saying from Orangeville. I know how that uh, is. Anyway, yeah. uh, but I, uh, yeah, I grew up there. I mostly, you know, I went to high school in Orangeville. I, you know, hung out with a lot of people in Orangeville. Orangeville is a very conservative uh area it's it's like a always conservatives win every election um we we never have any whatever like it's it's a it's a guaranteed conservative spot there's like you know anti-abortion protests uh, there's a, a lot of relig a lot of religion a lot of jesus stuff a lot of catholic uh, schools um and uh i grew uh, growing up i kind of I guess wanted to kind of rebel against uh, all that. I was like really into um, leftist politics in high school. I was in a punk band mm -hmm. in high school and I was very like anti-religion uh, in high school because I looked at religion and, you know, right-wing politics as, as kind of inseparable back then. And, and I have definitely cooled down on that since that time. I've kind of, uh, you know, I had my edgy atheist phase that I've sort of grown out of. Um, I think that, you know, spirituality and religion is cool and not necessarily going to lead you to uh, being a reactionary, you know, uh, conservative person. But uh, definitely at the time I was very much, yeah, anti-religion, anti-conservative stuff. Uh, and yeah, you know, I remember like just like pissing people off and like getting into arguments with people in Orangeville and... Uh, Later on, I remember like I, like my punk band, we would be all of our songs were about George Bush, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, just like obsessed with like American politics. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I when Obama got elected, I kind of, you know, went went to sleep for a while. That, that was when I was in uh, university. And I stopped being that political. And uh, it wasn't really until Trump got elected that I, you know, went back into left wing politics and started reading stuff, which is, you know, kind of embarrassing. But I think a lot of other people went to did that same thing. Um, um, dude, I, yeah. I, that, uh, is complete. My, my, uh, girlfriend, when I started watching your channel would like, you know, poke fun at me for like, you're watching this guy who looks like he could be like your brother or something, you know, the blonde <laughs> yeah. hair and everything. I can see it. And, uh, I like, uh, and then like little tidbits you drop. She's like, this guy is like, just like you, like this, <laughs> you're in a punk band in high school. Uh, yeah. you went through an edgy atheist phase that you now very much regret. Um, went to sleep <laughs> during Obama. I didn't, hadn't heard that a few of those things there. I hadn't heard like the, um, I just, the last uh, interview I did just a few days ago, that's, I was talking about that, how like I'm a little bit, uh, I'm pretty embarrassed about the fact that I was like hardcore into politics, like to the point of, I would say from about the age of, um, and I say this all the time, but like from like 11 to 15 thereabout, I thought like anything that wasn't political punk was just like bullshit. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's, I, I never really, I always got the sense that you were a musician like from some things that you said and then i heard your um, umberto echo song and i was like oh, okay oh, you yeah, must yeah. have a little bit of a like background with like songwriting or something tell me a little bit about uh, about that like um as a sure. musician um i guess 
you know, I have, you have to tell me your whole life story, I guess. But like, you know, it seems like you kind of went from musician to doing stand up. How did that like transition happen or would you even call it that? Hmm. I mean, I used to be like really into music when I uh, yeah, playing music when I was in high school. I uh, like <clears throat> um, I st well, I started playing piano as a young kid and then I didn't really like it. It was just like felt like a chore and I started playing the drums. Uh, I got really into that. Drumming was like my life in high school. My uh, my first Facebook account. My name was James Drummer on it because I don't know. I don't really know why. Uh, and I was just like every night after school, I was, um, you know, I was in the, the all, a bunch of the school bands, like, the you know, uh, junior band, senior band, jazz mm -hmm. band at school. I was like the drummer. I was like the drummer oh, yeah. at my high school. And everyone was like, oh, James is the drummer. We're starting a band. So you better join our band kind of thing. And I was in like, you know, the three school bands. And I was in like a band that did like classic rock covers when the main one was that punk band that i was in uh and i did that for years that was my life i was like obsessed with percussion mm. and when i moved to the city i couldn't really have a drum kit with me i couldn't yeah. have a you know i had neighbors i had whatever growing up in a small town i had like a backyard i had like space around me you know i had like a room that I could play the drums in and I wasn't bothering anybody except for uh, my family. So moving to the city, yeah, I couldn't really do that anymore. And I didn't even have, I, I've thought about getting like an electric kit, but I don't really have the space for it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I started playing guitar when I got to uh, uh, university, just like, you know, like as a hobby. I'm not like good at it. I, I can like passably whatever do stuff like i can play I, I wrote that like umberto echo song and like you can like maybe that. play like bit. rhythm guitar in a band yeah, or something like that. yeah, yeah i can yeah. do rhythm guitar i can do a little bit of finger picking my big uh uh what's it called quarantine project was learning to play jolene oh on, that's cool. uh, doing like the, the finger picking for that which was which was very difficult but i can do it now now i seem like super legit <laughs> that's but cool yeah no, I, I don't know i like i've also done a lot of musical comedy I've mm -hmm. done, uh, like, that was something that, because, like, oh, man, musical comedy, like, if you're not that funny and you're not that good at music, <laughs> you can put them both together. And people are like, well, it's pretty impressive he can, like, <laughs> sort of do both of those things. And, like, people will be, like, way more forgiving. So I feel like that's, like, where I'm at. I'm like, yes, I can do a little bit of musical comedy. I did, like, a really fun um, pop punk parody band for a while uh called angst for the memories that was like <laughs> so fun we just did all these like whiny like blink 182 simple plan style tracks uh and that was that was really uh fun and i've just uh, i've done i've done quite a bit of musical comedy so I'll, I'll occasionally write songs i write a lot of the music in garage band that i use as like background for my videos mm -hmm. as well um so, yeah, I don't know. I'd love to get more into the musical side of things, but it's it's very time consuming and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Videos oh, like, already take me a while. <laughs> yeah, you're. I mean, that's one of my uh, really my biggest the gimmick with this show is every guest I make a special theme song for them. So uh, no you're gonna way. you're okay. gonna have a uh, your own special uh, unique theme song, and oh, I, I do yeah. most of it in uh, GarageBand. Um, but I actually, I recently started uh, like you know plugging up the guitar and the interface and like experimenting with that. So definitely doing some more. Uh, you know, I'm getting some better sounding stuff recently, but. Um, um, the oh, something you mentioned the the drum thing. I also have 
you know, wanted to get a drum kit since high school because, mm. and, but I just have never had space for it. And I've been looking at reviews for these little tabletop, like electronic kits. Ooh, okay. And of course, you know, they seem like not nearly as good, but they, you know, the ones I've been looking at, like a couple hundred bucks and have like pedals and, you know, the reviews I've seen on YouTube and stuff, people like say like, I mean, it's responsive and it's, it's good if you don't have the space. So I'm, I'm definitely uh, looking at getting one of those. So that's maybe something you might want to look into. All right. Tabletop drum set. Mm. I'll look into that. Um, but, uh. Oh, uh, doing, yeah, musical comedy. Um, that is a, I've always found that really kind of intimidating. Um, oh, yeah. And I think I think the reason I found that kind of intimidating, I mean, I make like this silly music stuff a lot, but like I think for many years, I never like touched that uh, because I like idolized Tenacious D and Weird Al so much. Oh, yeah. And Hell then, yeah. Like, Can't wait for the new Weird Al movie. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah, um, Weird Al's like probably one of my like top three influences. Yeah, I love that, that guy. Same here. Yeah, um, and uh, the, probably even bigger is even though Weird Al had been you know was too forever is Tenacious D just because like I start my friend Max and I uh, who I've been playing with I still do. Um, he, uh, when we were like 12, 13 years old, we like just learned a bunch of Tenacious D songs. That's how we learned to harmonize together and stuff. And, um, so I'd say like, just as a musician and a player, they've like influenced me a lot, which I think is kind of funny when I tell people that, especially when they're only familiar <laughs> with like my serious music, but um, their music is good. Like Tenacious D their, their songs are good. Like not, <laughs> they're not just funny. Like their music is fucking, yeah, I it mean, kicks I, ass. I'd say that's part of like almost part of the joke with them and Weird Al is that it's so good, but then it's like, you think about what they're singing about and it's like yeah. so silly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, uh, so when, when did you start, um, doing stand up? Like, was that kind of, did you kind of go from punk to musical comedy to stand up or it was kind of a mix? Oh, uh, yeah, I, so my punk years were like mostly high school. Uh, that was when I was like doing, punk stuff mm. i mean I, I don't know like musically i, I still do, did punk stuff after that but not in a band well actually no that's not really true i was oh this is embarrassing i was in a uh a harry potter punk <laughs> band for a while in uh <laughs> when i got to college <laughs> yeah we, we were called uh, i don't even want to say this but uh we were, we were called the huffle punks that was what the name of our fucking band anyway. Dude, no that is that's great yeah you should wear that with a, that's a badge of honor like maybe i should never say that again again out loud <laughs> Um, well, if you, if I, you have regrets and want me to edit it out, just let me know. <laughs> it's okay. I, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. We would, we do like, uh, we play like wizard rock, uh, shows like, like, um, oh God. Like it, it was like this whole world of stuff where like any music that what didn't have to do with Harry Potter, we called it, we called it muggle music. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we would play it like libraries to like a bunch of children who, who, oh my God, like after the shows kids would come up to me and get me to sign their harry potter books so i've like signed like several harry potter books like there's a few copies of fucking goblet of the fire kicking around out there at like thrift stores that have my <laughs> like ruining its value in there but anyway um sorry i'm getting, getting off topic here I but yeah uh i did uh yeah through uh university yeah, it, was, it was pretty much like right after university i started doing stand-up i always wanted to do it and i was like waiting for somebody to be like you're really funny do you want to, you should do stand-up <laughs> well, why don't you come on and do my show and like no one ever did that so hmm. I, uh, I i just went and did it eventually um 
I guess I was like 22. And uh, I love stand-up. It's it is the best. It's so rewarding. It's it's incredible. Like that instant feedback you get from the audience. Um, and yeah, I did that uh, very unsuccessfully for about a, a decade now. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've had like moments. I did a show with uh, Joe Rogan and uh, Big J Okerson and Russell Peters once. Dang. Um, How long ago was that? Uh, it was a few years ago. Mm. That was that would used to be my big like. That's a, that would be like my credit kind of thing. Yeah. I'd be like, I, I was on, on stage with Joe Rogan. Now I'm a little bit more embarrassed about saying that. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I can imagine. But um, that's still yeah. like a huge deal, though, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. You know. I, so I've, I've had cool moments, um, but uh, you know, I haven't done any like festivals or anything like that. I was mostly like an open mic guy. Do I did used to do like so many shows, you know? Like mm. I, that, there was a point where I was doing like ten to fifteen shows a week. Just like hustling, running around town, doing as many as I could, and just like I don't know, like I, I definitely got a lot out of it. I learned, I learned a lot about joke writing and performance and stuff that uh, you know I didn't have before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look back on the recordings of my early stuff, and I'm like, oh man, that guy sucks. <laughs> and a lot of that, the stuff I've learned, has, I think has translated really well into YouTube. But um, yeah, uh, that none of that was really that punk until I started doing the. Uh, uh, angst for the memories thing. Mm-hmm. That, then I then I started getting more more punk stuff. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm I, I got ADHD and I'm just kind of rambling. I don't even remember what the question was. <laughs> well, it's, it, uh, uh, yeah, like going. From, I I'm also you know not when I ask a question. I think sometimes I go a little bit too like broad with it or something. But um, yeah, I mean uh, the I, it seems like well let's go ahead and talk about music like. Um, uh, in terms of like political yeah. art, uh, and we might maybe come back to some biographical stuff, uh, but uh, the sure. um, uh, so what is your? I guess you know. I know what your opinion has been in the past. So the, you you have a different kind of background. Like just I think everybody I've interviewed has been are people who are like aware of punk and uh, but never really got into it, and uh, maybe like mm. most people have some level of respect for it. But I think political music like the the main thing people complain about is that it's um as i was saying recently like it's either um way too preachy or it's like Mm. green day american idiot way too like bottom shelf kind of like simple (laughs) easy you know like just i mean american idiot kind of is preachy even well, though yeah. it is bottom shelf, you know, it's, it's kind of both. <laughs> That's true. Um, and so what, uh, well, first, what do you say to that? Like, uh, people who have that attitude toward political music, maybe even like political art in general, um, that, uh, it's like that, that it doesn't really serve any purpose or it's superfluous or something like that. Uh, what, what's your opinion on like <laughs> political art as a whole, I guess? Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really like political art. I really like uh, political punk music, you know, like anarcho punk or just kind of punk that is that gets political because I, I'm a, uh, I like politics. I like a, I'm a political guy. I'm a political person. I mean, we're all we're all political. Everything's political. And I don't think it's like a problem for bands to get political and you know if you don't like their politics then i guess maybe don't listen to them but i uh i don't know i mean i also think that like sometimes like leftists can be a little bit like 
oh, that band sucks because they're not political. And it's like, nah, <laughs> sometimes it's okay to listen to non-political stuff too. You know, whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess like, I, I don't really have like a strong opinion about whether art should be political, but I think that like, it's fine if it is. I think it makes it better if it has good politics. Mm -hmm. um, if it's like there are, so I, there are probably some things that are that have terrible politics that are uh, that I do like as pieces of art. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I think that's a, a thing too. Yeah, there's some thrash uh, metal I like that I'm pretty sure a lot of those guys are like weirdo reactionaries. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, like, like that. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like the, the Ramones, like the it's Sex true, Pistols, yeah. whatever. Like they've got some kind of uh, right wing politics. Uh, what's his name? Danzig. Oh but, yeah. But uh, hey, you know what are you gonna do? I saw that like uh, that Big Joel video the other. I think it was like a couple months ago. He did on Three Hundred and how it's like basically Nazi propaganda, but it's mm -hmm. also that movie fucking rips. It's a good. <laughs> it's a, that's a good movie, but it is very like fascist. Yeah, no, uh, I, I completely agree with that assessment. I haven't seen that uh, Big Joel video yet. His he's his videos have not been coming up in my my recommendations. I'm gonna oh, have to no. go back and find those. He just dropped one today on Jordan oh. Peterson. I just watched it. So I, I had his nice. his uh, him. Fresh in my mind, but yeah, no. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't know. I, like, yeah, like, what's the what's the problem exactly with with political music? You know, like, I don't know. I, I like it. I do find it's it's kind of funny. Like, I listen to uh, I listen to a ton of like political uh, punk music, and um, I also listen to like ska music and ska punk. Mm -hmm. First tour I ever like, went on was with a uh, ska band. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love Sky. You know, whatever. They, they, mm -hmm. get, get, they get shit, but uh, I think it's good. I, um, I've been listening to, to uh, The Interrupters. Do you know them? That's uh, the, the band I went on tour with, uh, Taj Motel Trio, became like good friends with them over oh, the past cool. like several years. And so they play with them like with some frequency. And I think it was before they, they've like really blown up in the past like couple years. Oh so yeah. They've really good absolutely taken off. Yeah. 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 Now they're, they're, I fucking love the interrupters. They're like, if rancid had Joan jet as their singer, basically is what they sound like. <laughs> yeah. That's and, a great uh, description. <laughs> like that's like exactly what they sound like. Mm -hmm. But like, I, I've been really into them. Um, and like they're, they have a lot of, the, they're like ska punk, I guess, kind of like, like rancid. But, uh, when they go on stage, like it's, it's really noticeable how like a lot of punk bands you listen to. Right. And their, their politics are like in 1956, the CIA, blah, 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 <laughs> like whatever. Like they'll be like very specific uh -huh. and like interrupters will be like, with this one goes out to anyone who's fighting fighting against racism. That's racism's bad or whatever. It's like very like like vague and like uh -huh. not really specific, you know. Um, so uh, you know, like it's which is it's fine, like it's good, mm -hmm. but it's definitely like it doesn't scratch that same itch that like you know I don't know listening to like the coup or yeah, like even like Chumbawamba or mm -hmm. Pat the Bunny or like some folk punk bands that. Are are, are you know much more specific yeah with their shit i i think there's an and that in and that right there is kind of a um a point that i've heard brought up uh, a few times is like how um that like you know talking about the what makes good political art and i think there it's not just like that it more specific is bad or less specific is bad but there is some kind of like get it's the specificity 
it has something to do with it, I think. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, I re- I heard uh, the guy, the Chris Hanna, the the singer and main songwriter for Propagandi. Um, oh, love Propagandi. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, they're a Canadian band. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, one one of my favorites. Uh, they um, and I. What's your favorite uh, album? Um, probably supporting cast. Oh, okay. Um, All right. And I, I, but I really loved their most recent one. Um, and I, okay, I, I did a cover of Victory Lap that uh, Chris Hanna commented on, Whoa, and that cool. like really uh, was probably the most important thing that's ever happened in my life. So um, he <laughs> that's did awesome. He did kind of start his comment with "ha." So I don't know what that, uh, <laughs> okay. but you know, Hey, it's That's something legit that he did that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he seems like a, such a nice guy, which is weird considering like with their first few albums, his, the persona is like way different from like how he comes across in interviews and stuff. But one of what, uh, why did I bring him up? Uh, Oh, he was, he was talking about, Propaganda. Um, yeah, he was talking about how his uh, songwriting style changed. And one of the things he said was how he was talking about how, like, you know, I, I try to fold in, like, personal with political things a lot more instead of just, like, writing this, like, manifesto about the COINTELPRO papers or whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was like, yeah, that is an exact. And that you can see their evolution, I think, really well in terms of yeah. I think the lyrics are good early on, but they really take they just take on a more artistic merit, I think, with time. Um, I yeah that's that's fair to say I do prefer their older stuff personally like they when it was like I feel like they got a little bit more metal as mm-hmm. uh, times times went on um, I like their I like their early stuff let's talk more rock and uh, how to clean everything I've rinsed those albums so much mm-hmm. uh, today's Empire's tomorrow's ashes as well but uh, yeah they're they're good and they're like one of those punk bands that's like extremely political oh yeah that's like uh, their their whole thing and they um i definitely had a thing with them when i tried to listen to the more metal stuff later on i was like man eh, i don't like this uh because i wasn't really as i think i just wasn't as sophisticated as a musician and mm-hmm. uh or maybe appreciator of music or whatever and then i started revisiting them a few years ago and i think i was like I've, i was like ready to embrace the more like technical metal stuff that they were kind of doing and yeah i mean you know it's it's still them but yeah i totally get the uh like um if if metal just or if there's like a line of heaviness maybe that you don't really like to cross or something yeah those newer yeah, albums i don't know i don't know what, what it is i mean they're, they're definitely like all incredibly talented musicians uh I, I remember listening to Potemkin City Limits and being like, "What is this? What <laughs> yeah. happened to these guys?" You know, <laughs> that, that, but uh, that, yeah, I've listened to the, you know supporting cast and like the, all all of their uh, later stuff. I haven't checked out their most recent album, I don't think, but uh, yeah, no, I, I like it. But I just I always go back to their early stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victory Lap, their newest album. It's it's a little it's got a little bit more of that punk energy to it. Like they oh, kind cool. of okay. little bit back. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Hell yeah, I'll check it out. Um, sorry, I just ate a peanut for some reason. Um, why would you ever do that? <laughs> you know, I'm on, I'm trying to have a conversation here and, uh, but, <laughs> um, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, what was, it? oh, music. So, um, the, uh, like in political art, political music, like, I don't know. Do you have any ideas about what? what it is that makes it effective versus ineffective and even maybe like take that to comedy you know if you want to talk about the fact that conservatives are like mostly not funny at all or something like that like what is it that um 
what you know makes political art effective versus ineffective. You have any ideas on that? Okay. Wow. Okay, that's a good question. I'm not really sure uh, how to answer that. I so like first of all, I'll say like I think that like, and I'm definitely like I've I've talked about how shitty conservative comedy is for for a while. Mm. But I recently read this book. I think it's called. It was called. That's not funny. Uh, I, I, it's called like that's not funny, and then the, the subheading is like conservative comedy in media or something like that. I, don't know, I forget the full, full title, but it was really interesting um, because it sort of went into how conservative comedy actually does exist. It is a thing, and like if it, it's easy for us to say it's not funny because it doesn't like uh, make us laugh, but it does make some people laugh and it does it's doing like better and better like bro did you know that uh you know that show gutfeld exclamation mark (laughs) yeah right Mm. and like i've watched that show i've like dunked on that show on stream that show fucking sucks like no one there's no good writers on it the comedy doesn't make any sense you can (laughs) break down the jokes and be like what were they trying to do here But the fact is that show, according to this book I just read, that show gets better ratings than the Colbert show and the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. It's doing really well. And like conservatives love it. And conservative comedy is becoming bigger and bigger. And you see like channels like Steven Crowder and, you know, uh, like all these fucking guys, um, all the like Joe Rogan, you know, like uh, Legion of Skanks. Um, there's like there's a neo-Nazi comedy podcast with a, a name that I don't even want to say. Uh, there's just like there there are right wing, you know, reactionary pieces of shit uh, as far right as you want to go who are doing comedy and getting big audiences. And I think that comedy like music is a good way to get your point across i mean like if punk wasn't spreading a message of some kind then nazis wouldn't have bothered to try and infiltrate it like mm-hmm. there wouldn't have been all the fucking nazi whatever like oi bands not that all oi is for nazis but uh, a lot of it is um anyway like there, there is a there is something that it's doing i don't know exactly what like how it can be most effective um i think that like you know i don't know like i don't really think of what i'm i do on youtube as like praxis i think of it as just i'm like i'm creating entertainment for people Mm -hmm. and hopefully that they they'll be entertained and maybe like it'll strike a chord with someone and my politics might help somebody go on to somebody who's actually going like you know might find a way to like help out in their community or join an org or do something that's more substantial than just watching YouTube videos and whatever, like mm-hmm. even just like reading theory. Um, but like, yeah, comedy music, like punk just sounds cool. It's cool. The aesthetics are cool. It's like, fuck the system, you know, Oh, that's cool. You know, and comedy is like, it's funny. Oh, I like to laugh or whatever. <laughs> like it's uh it, it it so it helps the message go down a little bit smoother than just mm. like going up to somebody and being like, you know, like sharing an upworthy post or something or it's like very patting yourself on the back for being a a good person. You you're you're putting the vi- the vitamins inside of the baloney or something, you know? <laughs> like you're you're help you're you're tricking your kid into eating their vegetables kind yeah. of thing um but yeah i don't know like i really don't know what the strategy is i mean i'm sure there's there's a right way to do it there's a 
better way to do it. I don't really know. I think maybe it's good just to have a bunch of different, different, uh, methods of getting that propaganda out there. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's why I, um, I kind of like have centered this show around that is because, you know, political arts always been such a huge interest of mine and like huge part of my life. Um, and then I just, you know, in doing that, I've always like encountered so many differing opinions on it. Um, and, uh, and so that's why I was like, you know, I'm going to use this show to like interview people who make political art. And it's not always, sometimes I'll have like professors on or something, but, um, generally I like to try and get, uh, people who make political stuff of some kind, uh, from, from the left. Cause I, you know, there's, I think it's like, um, it's, it's very, uh, unfashionable for YouTubers and I think content creators online in general to, uh, to talk about themselves in terms of I'm doing something that is like making any kind of impact or whatever. Right. Cause I mean, I totally yeah. get that. You don't want to like <clears throat> see, come off like you're like full of yourself. I mean, that's what these like weird Jackson Hinkle and all these like freaks, right. over, they, yeah. they all think like <laughs> yeah. they're, you know, uh, they're, they think that they're like so important. And I think like that ego is like so unbecoming. And I think a lot of people think that, um, yeah. but uh, at the same time, you know, like, I think what you were saying there is, uh, it, like, what, what you do is super important. Um, and uh, as far, I think, you know, a bunch of different approaches, like, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think of what I do, like, I, you know, teaching high school English, like, and in America, <laughs> where they've just passed these, like, weird-ass laws about, like, you can't talk about stuff uh politics or say racism is bad fortunately my school i oh, teach at damn. is like 99 percent black so i i don't think they uh i don't think that rule is going to be enforced uh me <laughs> if i oh, okay, say something okay. about you know racism being bad or whatever uh i don't think i'll get in trouble for that where i'm right. at right now but you know it all depends on what kind of area you're in um but jesus yeah that shit is fucked yeah it, it freaks me out and that's one reason i'm like i don't know if i could ever move back to a a small town around here anyway because it would you know i couldn't teach there because i can't keep my fucking mouth shut like mm. um especially about certain things and it's like i'm just so willing to die on too many hills for that oh but. my god me too <laughs> i like especially after the pandemic being like shut inside talking to all my like trans communist friends online for like you know three years and then trying to like readjust to hanging out with my bro friends be like hey don't say that you take that like i get like too upset it's too it's too much i have, I have to learn how to let things go yeah for sure i mean you can definitely get uh steeped in um i you know that uh, reminds me kind of of like what uh, when when Ben Burgess went on Joe Rogan um, and I actually right. the, it had just happened I think when I uh, interviewed um, we're in hell and uh, so we talked about that a little bit so maybe get your thoughts on on that or that idea sure. like platforming people um, you know Ben uh, I, I was just uh, um, cards on the table I I'm a I consider Ben a friend to a degree. We're both in Georgia oh, cool. and have met or no, wait, we haven't, we haven't met in person. I don't think. Um, but cause he's up in Atlanta teaching at uh, Morehouse college, but, um, he, uh, he was like one of the first guests to come on the show who like had a decent following and stuff. And what you brought up earlier about Michael Brooks, like that yep. was like a huge catalyst for me too. It was like when that happened, I think Ben specifically said God, that too, yeah. that like, man, I, he was like, I just, I, 
felt like I have to do something. Um, That's when he started his uh, give give them an argument show, right? Like after yeah. Michael Brooks passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It was like it like lit a fire under his ass or whatever, and it it kind of did the same thing for me. It's it's kind of um, I don't know. It's I I think that's something that would uh, make Michael. Brooks happy if he knew that a bunch of people were like inspired by like you know the enormous hole that was left in the online leftist sphere or whatever um that I think like his approach of using humor and stuff was like severely lacking and I think you and there's some other people on YouTube who have like picked up that mantle really really well um and uh and so yeah, um, where was I? Just kind of got off track there. Are you talking um, about Ben Burgess uh, uh, on Rogan? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, one of the big things he talks about is like how uh, we have to learn how to talk to normal people as leftists um, because we're true. terrible at that. So yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like I um, I like Ben Burgess. I'm definitely like further left than Ben Burgess is, and some of the things that uh, Ben says, I'm like I roll my eyes at, uh, but I. Definitely don't consider him like an enemy or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I did see people saying that he was platforming Joe Rogan, which I think is kind of like a misunderstanding of what platforming is. Like, I, no, like <laughs> Joe was the one platforming Ben in that situation. Ben wasn't like legitimizing Joe Rogan. He's already the most popular podcast in the world. Um, yeah. I guess like could he have gone harder on Rogan for? certain things probably like maybe the blood he has on his hands from his covid misinformation yeah um but all all together all all things considered i feel like it was probably a a good thing to have him on there i mean like ah, like it really listening to that though made me sad that we never got michael brooks to go on the uh rogan podcast because there's no one who is like born to be on Joe Rogan, like Michael Brooks was, <laughs> so right? True. Like yeah. he would have been the perfect leftist guest. Mm-hmm. And Rogan does not have many leftist guests on there, mm-hmm. you know. And like the ones that he does get on, like you know, Ben's great. Ben's a smart guy. Ben does not have Michael Brooks's charisma and like you know, just inst like his his humor, his uh, incredibly like you know, encyclopedic knowledge mm-hmm. of, you know, geopolitics and uh, historical factors, you know, in his leftism, that his leftism was informed by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like, ah, oh, God, I, it made, it made me sad. And the part where Rogan says like, uh, oh yeah, Michael Brooks. I love that guy. Man, RIP. Like he said, like he knew about Michael Brooks, I yeah. guess. And uh, just hearing that, I was just like, Fuck. Like, that was just, like, it wasn't, like, losing Michael Brooks hurt so much, not just because he was just like, oh, I liked watching that guy. Now I won't get to watch him. It was just because, like, I truly felt like he was going to be able to, like, make a difference. Like, that guy was really going to be able to bring these ideas to people who never would have considered them otherwise. And... He, the fact that he never really got to reach that potential is just, God, I don't know. It, it's it's heartbreaking on an entirely separate level. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I that, totally, I totally agree with that. Like the, you know, that Michael Brooks would have been perfect. Like, yeah, like he's made in a lab to be the person honestly, to go and like yeah. the ambassador to the like normal people or whatever. Oh, I, he, he really to, did the ambassador to like specifically to Joe Rogan fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they would have um, loved his shit. Yeah, anyway, and and not in a not in a, he would not have had to like pander or or mince words at all like he would have been able to because you know ben when he was on the show i think one of the things he said to me was when you know some of the criticisms came in from how he was on the show like he he said uh you know if i had been uh asked on there to talk about trans issues i would have said no because i don't know much about it and i you know so he um you know he's and he was invited on specifically because of his uh book that's like kind of critical of the comedy canceling yeah canceling comedians while the world burns i read that Mm -hmm. book oh yeah Uh, yeah i thought it was kind of like i don't know i don't fully i don't i don't really agree with the idea that like because we're canceling comedians, we, we can't also care about climate change or whatever, which I feel like is, is kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of go into a lot of my issues with the, honestly, I think that the left, I, I agree with Ben that the left is sometimes annoying when they're talking about standard comedians. I also think standard comedians are often annoying when they talk about leftists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, my, my latest video is like basically all about that kind of, yeah, love that one. Like the, the, that <laughs> gap mm-hmm. between the two groups. And, uh, I've, I'm, you know, I do comedy and I consider myself a leftist. So I, I'm kind of feeling like I got one foot in both worlds wanted by neither type of situation. So mm-hmm. I, uh, tried to kind of square that circle in that video in a way that I don't really think like, I, like, like Ben will talk about some kind of like exiting the vampire castle type stuff about how like the left, uh, can often sort of act like kind of like overgrown, you know, hall monitors uh, or, or whatever, and be a little bit like, uh, like a priest looking to what's the word? I forget how Mark Fisher puts it, but, um, like, like we're, we're a little bit too puritanical mm-hmm. sometimes. And we can, we kind of got to understand that not everybody's read all the same blogs as you have and watched the same, you know, videos as you and, uh, we, we need to be better at like reaching out to people and, and reaching out to liberals, I would say mostly. Yeah. Um, in a way that is not as abrasive. I mean, yeah. Obama, horrible guy, uh, immediately writing somebody off because they like Obama. Uh, maybe like, uh, I don't know, a little bit more outreach. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Dive in a little deeper there. Cause like, you know, I, I cried when Obama was inaugurated. It was the first time I was ever able to vote. I thought it was like the biggest deal of all time. And mm. I was, you know, very, uh, I thought that he was, um, uh, I thought he was an actual progressive, like, you know, I how think he a ran. Lot of us did, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, a lot of us did. That's what uh, I thought. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think your, your latest video, um, what's it called? Uh, it's called free speech is ruining standup comedy. There you go. Yeah. Free speech is ruining standup comedy. Great, uh, uh, inflammatory title there. <laughs> um, I, uh, the first, uh, YouTube video, like video essay I ever made, I called it, uh, um, or the thumbnail says Tenet hates women like the movie Tenet and oh, nice. the whole the whole uh the title was like something about oh it's a uh, Tenet is sexist trash 
And <laughs> nice. I like I okay. talked about like there being some slight sexism in the movie for like a minute, and then the rest of the video had nothing to do with that. But <laughs> that's it was, funny. you know, very uh, clickbaity kind of thing. Yes, yeah, so you got to do. That's what YouTube forces you to do. <laughs> yeah, uh, that one actually worked. I don't. I don't want to watch the whole thing here. I, I shouldn't. Uh, I uh, that one I think worked pretty well, and then. Uh, on Parlor, I impersonated Steven Crowder before he had a chance to make an account. So I oh, had the what? name at Steven Crowder on Parlor. <laughs> oh my God. And I got like four, I have screenshots somewhere. I got like 40,000 followers before they canceled the account or like, you know. Uh, <laughs> no and way. So, Did you post I, anything? Well, yeah, Did I, you do I, it? yeah, I've got screenshots of all that. I should really like make a video about that or something. But, um, there, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> he, I, I posted that video and, uh, that's how it got. Like, it's got the most, you know, my channels, I've got like a hundred something or 300 something subscribers. And the, that video has like 10 times as many views as anything else, just because of that Steven Crowder thing. Um, wow. But, uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, yeah, I got a lot of funny comments on that one too, about like how I'm an SJW or whatever. Um, Nice. Hey, that's engagement. That's yeah, engagement, man. For That'll sure. boost you in the algorithm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I always post my videos on like the subreddits that I think will be most upset by them. Really? Yeah. Oh, dude, I, <laughs> I should, always do that. That's a great idea. I should do that. Yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've trying to, I've been trying to do the opposite, but you know, maybe a little bit of both would be good. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I also post some places that I think sure, they, yeah. they would be liked. I'm not only you know, masochist here. That'd be weird. But yeah. it is actually quite good for your video if people are like downvoting it and commenting on it and watching it and like like some people will watch it and like put in like the timestamps of where they disagree and stuff like that and it's like yes nah, thank you yeah, thank you for watching the whole thing probably multiple times to get your <laughs> take on it yes that's why like second thought always ends this video with videos with uh if you if you like this give it a thumbs up if you hated it give it a thumbs down it's like yeah, yeah i guess you should do that huh? yeah um <laughs> um uh, all right. Well, I don't know if there was um, any like loose ends on the, you know, talking about the um, political communication, I guess it might be a good way to put it of like, you know, uh, how to do more outreach and stuff. I, I, I just I feel like you and the the good comedy YouTubers, the comedy leftist YouTubers are doing st something that is actually really important. Um, and uh, I, I sincerely appreciate it. Yeah, I'm basically uh, <laughs> the messiah. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, and I'd say that too. Saving the world. <laughs> but uh, and I know you know you're uh, you seem like a, a a decent person, so you know I understand that you're probably it makes you a little uncomfortable to get that, but I think it's true. Um, but uh, I um, oh you know I was uh, you're. Your uh, demeanor. I've been trying to kind of, um, sort of in that spirit of like political communication. Um, I had uh, R.M. Brown on the show recently. I don't know if you've oh, seen Oh, that guy's his. hilarious. He I, is, I love that guy's stuff. One of the funniest dudes. Um, he, uh, um, and I, I had him, and then I've had like some other people who I feel like what they're doing is so important because it's not preachy. But it mm. doesn't like a, you know doesn't mince words, and it's um, it's not mean spirited. That's that's the phrase I'm looking for. It's not mean spirited, and mm. I think so much uh, leftist content is can be, or really just content in general, right? Is it just yeah. can take on that even when he's like making fun of people, 
it it comes from a playful place and i think you kind of do something similar with that um it's like the uh the leftist nisosphere or something um i don't know if you'd want to call it that but <laughs> the nisosphere um you know I, I feel like there are more there are people putting out more positive content that is still you know as critical of capitalism as we want it to be or whatever um is that something like intentional do you think that your that your persona is just uh, a result of your personality or do you kind of make an effort to be nice for lack of a better word hmm yeah i don't know i mean like i definitely think that i i sometimes try to do that some of my videos are i'm better with that than others i it's like it's tough right because i i have i do feel that it's good for engagement to be like really condescending and mean mm -hmm. sometimes like you know like to pissing people off like i said like it, it's good for engagement but i do like i don't know at the end of the day like i don't think somebody's a bad person just because they like brett weinstein and like my brett weinstein video i think i was a little bit too like Oh, really, Brett? Wow. Sounds like something an idiot would say. And it's like kind of pushing away people who might have otherwise listened to the message a little bit more. Like I really like um, Timba on Toast's oh, yeah. videos about, uh, you know, Tim Pool and stuff where he's like, some people say this about Tim Pool, some, but he says this. That's mm -hmm. really interesting. And the way he says it, I actually think that's really good. Let's look into it and like see if we can come get down to the bottom of it. And so like if people are watching who are Tim Pool fans, they'll be like, okay, this guy sounds reasonable. Let me like hear him out. And they mm -hmm. might w watch like the whole video before it gets to the part where he's like, that's pretty fucked up, Tim Pool. You know, like, <laughs> and by that time they've heard all the shit and they're like, actually that is kind of fucked up, Tim Pool. You know, like like I feel like that's probably a better way to go about it i know in my uh i did my video gender theory for dudes and it was mm -hmm. like i i in at the beginning i did something different with that one where I, like at the beginning of it i like normally like i would have been like oh you don't think trans women are women well you're transphobic get out of here don't subscribe to my channel you're a piece of shit but with that one i was like yes trans women are women now if you don't believe me that's okay but like listen to me try and make like my argument here like uh, let me try and lay this out and i feel like that was a much better way to get the thing across so yeah i do think that it's better to be nice and to be chill and to be kind of like welcoming to people i think that's something that has become more of a conscious effort of mine mm -hmm. um but uh, it's not it's not it's not always easy or possible i know i think there's a there's a limit let's say there's, there's a limit i'm not really looking for charles murray fans so <laughs> sure. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go hard against uh, his his stuff without much uh well let's give him the benefit of the doubt here you know um, yeah um yeah that there might be you know uh some role for people to like nicely and patiently talk to neo-nazis or whatever but that's you know that's mm -hmm. a, a pretty heavy lift there that i don't know if uh most people are up to i mean yeah like sure that would be cool if that if that's effective and if there's a way to do it go for it but uh i don't know i feel like we've got to be gotta be reaching out to the libs more than the nazis mm. I, I also like i i did sales for a while but so maybe that's part of my background as well actually i, I was like a telemarketer mm -hmm. and uh i there's one like lesson that i think about all the time when it comes to like this sort of thing uh called feel felt found have you heard of that no Okay, so this was like a like a sales tactic. So it's a way of manipulating people, but um, it works really well. 
where somebody's you call up somebody right and you're like hey would you like to have your uh, air ducts cleaned or whatever kind of scam you're running on them and they're like oh no i don't need that in my that sounds bad and then you then you go then once you get that objection you can just do feel felt found where you're like i understand why you feel that way you acknowledge their feeling and you say mm-hmm. i felt that way myself a long time ago and uh and then you're you actually are being like not only can i empathize with you i actually that's actually what i was like mm-hmm. and they're like oh wow okay I can, I can listen to this guy and you go but after I did, uh, I learned about how important it is to get your ducts replaced. What I found was my entire life was improved, you know? <laughs> sure. And so, like, that that little tactic there, feel, felt, found, is so valuable for, like, a lot of people like myself who, I mean, like, yeah, like, I have spent time on 4chan and, like, you know, some of the darker boards of Reddit, and I've spent time in these kind of like edgy bro spaces in my life you know like i i've been there and that helps me to reach out to other people who are in danger of falling down the alt-right pipeline or whatever and like it it's it, it's a little bit of a connection you can make with people that i think is mm-hmm. is valuable and uh i don't know could could be used Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that's important to um, to use your perspective to kind of like leverage or use it as like kind of a way in with people or something like, mm-hmm. you know, I was I always talk about with my uh, my dad is like pretty well, very conservative, um, but he's also kind of open minded in certain ways. So you can actually talk to yeah. him. Um, it's just he I think he like seems to just forget the conversations afterward but he's like one of those people who if you just like break down each individual issue it's like dad i think you're like a socialist actually but yeah. you, you won't ever you know um, oh it's so funny like you can talk to people about uh like socialism or communism or whatever like anarchism but as long as you don't say any of those words they'll be like yeah sure totally yeah. i like that idea <laughs> you know? yeah yeah um, democratize the workplace that sounds great actually yeah, for sure. That I mean, that that is such a good way in with people, I think. And I think that's one of the things that uh, Ben Burgess seems to like really focus on and put at the forefront of his like uh, what he advocates for. Right. And I think that's a you know, you've got and then Richard Wolf as well, like kind of really mm-hmm. focusing on the workplace stuff, you know, and I that's something I've seen like through talking to my dad growing up in a very conservative, like right wing Christian kind of uh, area um, is uh, is, yeah, just that like. Um, if you, if you can, I don't know, use the right language with them, um, that they, that they, they'll be more with you. And I, I think that, um, you know, having, having that background has made it so that it's like when somebody says something that's like racist or, but it's like, I can tell it's just because of ignorance, you know, I think that maybe other people, I can maybe be a little bit uh, judgy of people for being too judgy of that, because I think there are other people who um, just don't know, you know, like they don't know yeah. people like that, didn't grow up with people like that. So they don't understand like, no, this guy literally just doesn't know that black people and white people's brains are not different like right. you know like i mean even stuff like that it's like you know they're just acting on terrible information and yeah you know you gotta present it to them in the right way i guess totally yeah totally agree 
Um, so, uh, is there, I guess you are, we've been going for like an hour, so, um, I, you know, I want to be mindful of your time and, um, I really appreciate you coming on once again. And, um, I, uh, I've got a couple of like little, little cute, fun questions I like okay. to ask at the end. Nice. So here's the, Let's um, if you could snap your fingers and change one thing about the, let's say U S government, what would you go with? Oh, uh, okay. If I could change one thing about the U.S. government, probably yeah. would be, ooh, um, geez. I don't know. I guess, like, as far as, like, policy goes, Medicare for all would be, uh, would be saving a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, but if I could say change anything about the U.S. government, wait, let me think. Okay. <laughs> sure. Um, Take your time. Maybe I would abolish the CIA? Ooh, mm-hmm. what would be better? Wait, oh, can I also, I can change one thing. So could it be like, I could change their one aspect of their foreign policy? Um, I'll allow it. Okay. So, uh, I would be, I would change their, uh, the aspect of their foreign policy that, uh, demands that they coup, invade, or, um, you know, otherwise topple any government that is, uh, expressing any kind of a left-wing tendency. That would be my thing. So then that all, that that has a lot of trickle down things, and you get they lift the embargo, Cuba, whatever sanctions on Venezuela, mm-hmm. all kinds of shit. I think that would be good. I love to see the the logic people use of like, um, are you going for just the number one most important issue to you? Or are you thinking strategically about like what would happen <laughs> as a result of this? I think you're doing the yeah. latter there for sure. I'm I'm trying to like think of like a utilitarian like ethical mm. <laughs> thing. If I can only change one thing, then how can I benefit the most people? Sure. And I feel like if the U.S. just stopped fucking up everybody else who was trying to do shit like that, mm. I think that like a global left movement would be so much easier to build and uh, that would like end up saving so many lives. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. My, I always go for the strategic reason with um, money and politics. Um, oh, that'd be good too. That'd be good you know, too. I think that could solve a lot of problems, but you know, they don't have money in politics and, uh, or, you know, they have like limits on the amount of money candidates can spend in other countries. And it doesn't seem to stop like reactionary weirdos from getting an office. So, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe it fixed some things, but yeah, the foreign policy, it's like, I, I think, yeah, there's like two reasons foreign policy, I think, is an important area to focus on there. It's like it has the mo- the biggest ripple effect probably um, in a very immediate way. And it's like that's the thing that is literally just like killing people, you know, yeah. <laughs> instead not through inaction or bad policy or whatever, like just actively murdering people, you know, like totally. That's an easier thing to uh, get people off board with maybe. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, are there any, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you go. Um, if, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, do you have any more cute questions? Um, I'm trying to find my little list of them. That's the one that I, I was expecting like the, uh, James Lipton, like <laughs> if you were to meet God or whatever, like his, uh, stuff, what um, would you like him to say to you? Oh yeah, that was it. Well, how about, <laughs> how about that one then? I, maybe I should add that to oh, the, okay. uh, rotation. Uh, I'd like him to say, uh, I don't know. What's up, dude? Welcome to heaven. It's fucking sick. We got all kind. Of, we got mini ritzes all over the place. Your favorite. 
I do uh, like mini Ritzes. That's like mini Ritz uh, cheese sandwiches, no, or just the straight no, up. No, I don't. I don't even want those ones. I just want those little crackers. Oh, yeah, those are great. You know, tried yeah. and true. <laughs> um, I can just want to shovel them as many of them into my mouth as can fit. <laughs> um, if you uh, if you could have any superpower, what would you choose and why? Oh, okay. Um, ooh, uh, I would choose. Um, geez, I don't know. I was gonna say invisible, but I feel like that makes me sound like a massive creep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I won't. I won't say that. But uh, I guess I'll go with. I wish I could. Hmm. It'd be cool to be able to teleport. That's a good one. I don't know if I that'd be, people that'd don't cool. say that one a lot. It's usually I like to flying. be able to teleport and like go anywhere on Earth. Mm. I don't need to fly there. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> if I want to see a nice view, I'll just teleport myself really high up and then teleport myself somewhere safe before I hit the ground. There you go. Yeah, that. Uh, I, that I think that tracks or. You know, well, maybe I could teleport myself <laughs> into a plane. That'd yeah. be cool. <laughs> That would be so. Just literally, the only thing you use it for is to skip TSA and all that bullshit. Yeah, basically, um, <laughs> save money on a plane ticket. Um, uh, do you uh, are you a side sleeper or a back sleeper or Ooh, a belly sleeper? I'm a belly sleeper, putting my head to the sides sleeper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Good. Call. I don't think that's good for you, but that's pretty much the only way I can sleep. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I'm about the same, something like that. Um, uh, there was oh, there was something you mentioned earlier that uh, made me think. Have you ever watched seen the YouTube channel What Makes This Song Stink? No, that sounds good though. Um, yeah, have you seen What Makes This Song Great? It's the, no, it's another YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, it's What Makes This Song Great is like this Rick Beato. I don't know what he is, producer or something like that. Older guy, you know, and it's a great channel about you know just tons of different types of songs and just go you know just in depth kind of explication of them. Um, and then uh, this kind of as a parody of that, this other dude made a channel called What Makes This Song Stink. Very, very funny YouTube channel. I highly recommend it. But All right. one of the things he was recently doing, uh, they're about to put out an uh, or he's about to put out like a fake pop punk EP. And so okay. <laughs> he's doing like a parody. Uh, that sounds pop right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. Like doing kind of something similar to what. Uh, you did. I, I highly recommend checking that out. Uh, yeah, what makes this song stink? The channel is um, Pat Finnerty, I think is his name. I don't know why cool. so many Irish people are musicians, especially kind of punk-ish style. They music. gotta stop that. Yeah, they gotta know, stop doing that. <laughs> so what is uh, our? Um, I'm I'm like Scots Irish, I think. What is what is your uh, uh, European lineage? Yeah, uh, Scottish, I, mostly Irish, I think, and uh, Scottish, British, Norwegian. Mm -hmm. Ah, me too. So that would make sense why we have like the same color hair and That's all that crap. That's it. Um, That's it. Yeah. Did you take a twenty-three and Me or something? No, but my aunt did a bunch of uh, research into our family background, so I have like uh, some interesting little uh, tidbits about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did you do the Twenty Three Me? Uh, I did one of those things. Uh, I can't remember which one it was, but yeah, like Ancestry dot com or something. And yeah, it showed up like you know pretty much the same thing you just said, like seventy percent uh, Scots Irish, like twenty percent English, and then the rest was uh, Norwegian. 
There so, you go. There nice. you go. So, you know, we might be, like, related. Uh, yeah, probably are. Recently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, oh, do you have any recommendations? So this is the last thing I'll ask. Uh, do you have any uh, recommendations mm-hmm. for the audience? You, you mentioned that you, uh, you know, like, some YouTubers you watch and stuff. Uh, you know, the main big uh, left tubers I talk about quite a bit. Is there maybe any, like, YouTubers um, who you think are, like, underrated, something that's being slept oh. on right now? Yes. Okay. I can give you some great underrated channels. Uh, there's, uh, first of all, Chris A. That's X-H-R-I-S-A. Uh, massively underrated channel. Puts out so much good content. Funny, good editing. You know, got some green screen. Got some, like, cool animations and effects and stuff. And, like, really well-informed stuff. Uh, definitely check them out. Um uh, what else? Oh, uh, there's one that I've been that's that's new that I've been really, really liking. It's called oh, what is it called? I think it's called Anrel, A N R E L. It's mo- it's about like anarchy, but like specifically about relationship anarchy, hmm. uh, which is kind of like an interesting concept, but also just anarchy in general. They they have a f- uh, just a few videos out right now, but uh, recommend them. Uh, Got to shout out um, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, who does a lot of great uh, stuff, trans man, who um, that's like a really important perspective, I, I, I think. Uh, yeah, you do not get that. Or I guess that perspective isn't pushed on me and by the algorithm yeah. very much. No, right? <laughs> and, and yeah, like I think that that's like super cool. I, like trans dudes are like, um, like so I think like cis dudes have so much to learn from uh, uh, trans dudes. It's like people who uh didn't just like always like never have to think about gender but mm-hmm. like somebody who's actually had to figure out what is what is it mean to be a man who uh it wasn't just like yeah you're a man whatever do do your thing like it's mm. it's really like helpful i don't know i i uh really like their content um and like you know they have like a lot of cool insights on toxic masculinity and male privilege and uh also male what would the opposite of privilege be? Shit, mm-hmm. Shitty things about being a dude that like uh, that doesn't really get talked about. But sure, uh, yeah. somebody who's like seen both sides of the coin has like maybe a little, little bit more insight. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, little little hoot, uh, mainly Mandy. Uh, there's uh, there there there's there's so many. Geez, I know I'm gonna wish I I thought of more. But though, that that's a good uh, start right there. Uh, that that that's a good uh, good start. Oh, Rosenkreutz. Mm-hmm. Rosenkreutz is great too. Man, I've not um, heard of uh, any of these, so I'm yes. stoked to uh, go check them out this evening while I'm doing some grading or whatever. Um, Hell yeah! Yeah, let me, I, just, uh, let me just double check on Rosenkreutz spelling because it's like weird. It's R O S E N C R E U T Z. Okay. Rosenkreutz. Yeah. Got that. Yeah, check all check all those people out. They're all good. They they've all got good stuff. Yeah, they. Uh, I'll definitely check that stuff out. Um, I'm. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about like uh, you know recommend some of your videos and say tell your socials uh, when I do the intro. Um, but cool. uh, I'm wh- so psyched to hear that song. Oh um, my god! <laughs> I, I hope you like it. Well, now you know, and you're. Whenever I know the person is a musician, I usually like spend a lot more time on it, try to make it like more interesting. You know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't release. I, I've been releasing like what's a month. So this is. I'll let you know before it comes out, but it'll probably be like a a month or so before it comes out. Um, nice. And so we we didn't talk about any like news stories or anything. So I think it'll that'll be fine. Um, but, uh, 
So uh, you want to go ahead and like shout out your socials and where people can find you, follow yep. you. Cool. That's the that's the whole reason I agreed to do this. Sure, All right, yeah. this moment right here. Uh, <laughs> I uh, you can t- hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, my name's Chill Goblin. I do YouTube videos that are basically like if PragerU took acid and then had good politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, could be described as a communist magic school bus. Uh, so check it and check me out. Chill Goblin on YouTube. I'm chill underscore goblin on Twitter. Uh, the goat and the goblin on Twitch where I stream with Sam from we're in hell. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, give me money on Patreon. Uh, that's the, that's the only thing that's mandatory of all those things. Oh, right on. I'll make sure to remind uh, the audience that, um, and, uh, I am dude. I appreciate your time so much. A really huge fan of your channel. I think uh, you, thank you, you, man. You do something on with your channel that it's it's unique. It's nobody else quite doing the same thing. And I'm just it makes me so happy to see talented people who like you know the vast majority of like talented people uh, are not like a good fit for TV or you know there's not enough s- slots on them for t- mm-hmm. to be like you know. Uh, successful in show business or whatever, like in the old school way, and it's just so awesome to see people like you and and Sam and um, just like people making content that has you know a meaning behind it, and uh, that and you know I think uh, I I am uh, your I, I wish you all the continued success in the world, and really appreciate your time. Thank you. I've, that's really nice. Appreciate that. All right, man. Well, you have yourself a wonderful uh, evening, and um, I will uh, be. I'll let you know when this is up, and you know, maybe talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right, peace out, bro. Peace. Gather round. I want to tell you a story. Platinum ass is a false idol. The platinum ass had to make blood sacrifices to the wombat king, but I've got my own. Deposit your poop? Yeah, you could say I know a thing or two about being in there. All glory and respect to you when poop. It was useful to deposit your poop in a web so dark and so intellectual that spread a lot of those shit particles. I want to tell you a story. A Brett Weinstein adventure. A story of how holding money with your roommates to buy a samurai sword set from a convenience store is Brett Weinstein has been described by himself and others as the source of some disturbing fetishes. Disturbing, disturbing fetishes. It's a guy's Michael Malice is a platinum you should use to deposit your poop. Brett Weinstein is small and uncomfortable, but you should use Ben Shapiro to deposit your poop. You should use Andy No to deposit your poop. You should use members of Project Veritas to deposit your poop. I guess they don't mind being turned into eucalyptus to deposit your poop. Now for the end part. Uh, Wasn't that an amazing interview? Yeah, it was great. Uh, Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Twit, which is short for Twitch, and Patreon at Haas underscore Bossman. Find my realish, serious-esque music at thekmax.bandcamp.com. That's T-H-E-K-M-A-C-K-S dot bandcamp.com. Or stream The K-Max on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you use. Find the compilation album of silly music from this podcast, The Sounds of Breadsheet. 
at hossbossman.bandcamp.com, no underscore, and check out the Hoss Bossman YouTube channel at youtube.com slash hossbossman. Again, awesome video on Pete Seeger's From Way Up Here either just dropped or is coming out soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you real soon. Love ya. Oh, and I'm gonna play a song with Mr. Goblin's sing-along about fascism, which is based on the Umberto Echo 14 elements of fascism or whatever that crap is. And please, whatever you do, make sure you flood the soul of every sentient being you encounter with healing light. Hey everybody, come on and let's go read a thing from a guy named Umberto Echo. Many people tried, but nobody matched his 14 things you might find in a state that's fascist. Two, three, four. First things first, there's the cult of tradition. Fascists love a version of the past that's fiction. Number two, if it's modern, they don't like it. Depravity started with the Age of Enlightenment. Third, taking action for action's sake. If you think before you act, you're a girl or a fake before. Don't argue with what they said, or a fascist will make you dead. Hey! Number five, no, this gets hairy. Anything different is very scary. Number six, play your fiddle fast because you've got to appeal to the social frustration and fear of political humiliation felt by the middle class. Seven doesn't matter if it's true or not, but they like to talk about some kind of global plot now. Number eight is strange and just sounds wrong, but the enemy is somehow both weak and strong. Nine, pacifists are working for the enemy. Ten, if you're weak, then you're not a friend of me. Eleven, a hero must first take his last breath. That's hero worship and the cult of death. Hey! Number twelve is machismo and weaponry. Thirteen, be populist selectively. Last one, fourteen, let's go out the door. You've got to limit vocabulary to stop people from complex or critical reasoning, kind of like in 1984. So thanks to a friend named Umberto Echo, we know some warning signs we can use to protect Owen. If any fascists are listening to, I would simply say fuck you. Fuck you. Bonus song. Tobacco and Firearms by the K-Max, available on Apple Music and Bandcamp and Spotify and all that. It is when it moves us all 
stagnation feels naturally wrong A heresy Just like me The acids of us dribbled into a tree The gods are serrations of fake melody A lack of lasting is technically content.